0: Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from emdr approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature a discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what? to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here.
1: Welcome back to Notice That. An EMDR podcast. Today we're back in the studio with a kind of new idea of something that we're going to start. We've referenced it a while ago and we're just finally getting around to doing it. But we are going to do some episodes called Fly on the Wall. And the basic idea here is: welcome to my office. Yes. Have a seat and watch me do my thing. That's terrifying. Uh, But also kind of exciting because we talk a lot about. You know doing sessions and our clients and experiences that we've had but we have yet to kind of do a deep dive into a specific client mm-hmm. and to really look at the progressive journey that an individual goes through um, in their healing process and so that was kind of the idea behind this series so the way we've decided to do it is i'm going to present one of my peeps today and then later on jen's going to do the same and we're going to have a dialogue about it Today will be the foundational setting piece. I'm gonna share about how the relationship began and I've picked an interesting one, you know, of course I have. They're all very interesting, but this one had a unique genesis. So, um, and then in further episodes, we'll share about specific reprocessing and resourcing sessions that we've done and how that presented in their unique system and the results of that. So today we're going to kind of share the, the story Of this person, and in particular, my relationship with her, how it began and where it
2: is today.
0: So, well, and Melissa's not alone in her office. Yeah. (laughs) I
2: feel like we haven't talked yet. Maybe (laughs) you
1: guys are the flies. Oh, yes,
2: shut up.
0: (laughs) You're the flies. But (laughs) (laughs) you're the flies in my ear that can like ask me questions. There you go. How about that?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm curious that before we get into it, just. To reflect on and to share the feeling of coming in with something. Like, there's a level of vulnerability and openness to saying, I'm gonna open a crack into a really right. precious, intimate space and mm-hmm. in working with the client and open that up. And even the process that you and I have gone through of thinking of who and right. making sure, like, they're comfortable we're sharing with it in a way yes. that's safe for them yes. and maintaining the confidentiality and mm-hmm. all of those details.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Part of the reason why. I've chosen the
1: individual that I have is because she is generous in her very nature um, and has told me on you know more than one occasion that her material and her life and her story and that of her family is an open book. <laughs> um, however, even with that, I still feel a tremendous amount of protectiveness, and yeah. rightfully so. And so there are, there are some pieces of the story that I won't go into as much, mm. Um Because they're they're the areas that still feel the least resolved for her. So I think the way that I kind of decided on what to share, what not to share, etc. is to share the bits that she has a lot of peace about. The things that feel more settled and resolved at this point. And then as things develop, I'll share more um, as we continue our our work together. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about this idea is that it's not what I feel when you hear of a case conceptualization, is just like one moment in time, like it, it's a picture just because of the nature of, well, I'm telling you what I know right now, mm-hmm. or I'm illustrating a point through this story of why I'm sharing it in the first place. That's mm-hmm. not what Fly on the Wall is supposed to be. Right. Fly on the Wall to me demonstrates the ongoing living nature of a case conceptualization. Mm-hmm. And we are gonna show that through coming back to it regularly of where is it at now. Yeah. Which that's what really adds to the nature of, you know, we need to be careful around confidentiality and really sensitive to those um, dynamics with these people, and that's some that's a window that I don't think we get very often into ongoing cases for that reason and others I'm sure, but
0: on the aspects of that that say not every report or time we speak of this it will be wrapped into a nice perfect. And everything. It's ongoing. Not every session Mm -hmm. goes super smoothly and well. And Mm -hmm. I think we have this ability to speak for on the podcast and then in consultation, we can share such wisdom and experience from a a privileged place of, well, theoretically, this is how it would go. Or conceptually, this is what would be, you know, this is how that would go. But as a therapist in session, we know the experience is not always it's like very that. very different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the greatest flaws of the way we talk about EMDR and the way we teach EMDR is that as long as you follow these eight phases, it's smooth sailing yeah. and your mm-hmm. client is resolving trauma. And if not, we might be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That hiccup, I yeah. want this series to kind of help break into that of As a very well-trained, well-experienced EMDR therapist, Melissa, you're still going to face some times where it's like, and we did this session and it ended and we didn't even come back to the target. And Mm -hmm. you know, like all of those Mm -hmm. things that everyone
2: experiences. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's very present in this case. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I love that even in that point, that's one example of how the basic protocol could go out the window, but it's only one Mm -hmm. like, oh, we didn't come back to the target at the end. Well, yeah, but also we didn't do this, and we didn't do this, and we didn't yeah. do this, and we didn't do this part. But like we
0: did do this part, this part. and that one
2: somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it
0: resolved or it didn't resolve. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yes.
2: So in this, I hope that we can just give some visualization or illustration to those dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, often in consultation, I'm sure you all get this as well, those are the points that I feel like most people have questions about yeah. but are maybe also the areas that they're not going to talk about right. of where it kind of went out the window and mm-hmm. i don't really know where we were mm-hmm. something good came of it i think but i'm not sure why right. but i'm going to ask you a question about in this protocol mm-hmm. like in this phase is this okay like you know it's a little bit more of a of a specific question rather than what do you do when something just kind of fall like falls in your lap or mm-hmm. goes out the window or completely devolves yeah what do you do uh-huh. so
1: Do you guys want to hear about her? I do. So what feels important to begin with is I don't take new clients because of the nature of where we're at with things. It's been a very, very long time since I worked with someone new other than in a retreat or an intensive setting because I, I have been able to do that. So this particular individual was... I believe she is the, the last person that I have begun a new therapeutic relationship with. And that was about six months ago. And she had been on my waiting list for about a year and a half. Wow. And my assumption for that whole year and a half is that there was no way that she was gonna wait, mm-hmm. that she would find, and I had given her recommendations. And, but she had been told that she needed to work with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is an experience that both you and I have had a bit, Jen, of, you know, somebody comes in and is like, I've been told I need to work with you. And so immediately the relationship felt quite pressurized. Mm-hmm. She'd been waiting all of this time.
2: Lots of expectations. Lots
1: of expectations. In a moment where I'm not really sure what altered state I was in, I agreed to begin. <laughs> and uh, I think it was is, it came a, a bit from a place of like, my God, I need to meet this person that has waited this long and has this much dedication. Um, Part of the reason why I was hesitant to take her on is that I was pretty sure that we would not be a good therapeutic match. The reason for that is because she presented with a very religious background and is a highly religious individual with a daughter that um, is not straight. Mm. And this was a, a major concern and because of who I am as a human being, I immediately knew this is going to be a problem. <laughs> if, if your daughter's homosexuality is on your list of the most traumatic things that you've ever experienced, we're, we're probably going to hit some tension points like yeah. right out of the gate. So because of SIP, I decided, well, I'm just going to own that and be very upfront. And her response really surprised me, which was, I trust that I'm supposed to work with you, even if that's the case. I'm like, Okay. A little more flexibility in the system yeah. than I anticipated. So immediately, I think I had to check my own judgments, assumptions, mm-hmm. biases. <laughs> um, and that so, alone, I feel like, has so much oh, to be talked about. Yeah. So I'm just going to put a yeah, pin in
0: there, that. There's we'll there, a pin,
1: and one of the, um, I think, one of the motivating factors, and one of the factors that helped me process through that is that one of our other clinicians um, had begun seeing the daughter. And we got permission to talk as as clinicians so I could get a bit of a sense of what's going on in the dynamic. And so I went into the relationship with this attitude of, okay, I'm going to work with her so that I can... This is is so egotistic, so I'm going to say this and just own it outright. So I can change her mind so that she is kinder to her daughter and does not continue to traumatize her daughter with her her judgments towards her. So that was my stance going in. Yeah. And so so we, we have our first session and that is absolutely my approach. I'm a little more combative than usual, a little more bristly than usual. And about halfway through the session I realized, oh no, this is not the person that I thought was mm-hmm. going to present. Mm-hmm she was much softer and open and vulnerable. And I would offer a different perspective and her very genuine response would be, I've never heard anybody say that before. Mm. I've never even thought about it that way. And I'm like, well, this is going to be way easier than I thought, but also I feel like a shithead. Yeah, because <laughs> I came in at a different place. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> More <argumentative. Yeah. laughs> Um So I, that, was our, that was our beginning. And, uh, you know, six months later, I adore this human being. Mm. like just absolute affinity, you know, love, look forward to seeing her. Um, there's still so much that we're working on, but the arc of our relationship has personally been really impactful for me to come in with that posturing, for her to come in in the way that she did and then to to sort of have the backing of you know SIP in the way that we conceptualize our relationships with clients to help me navigate that. I don't know that I would have been able to otherwise. Um, and reflect in the way that we did but we came to this you know way of working together that feels really honoring to both of us as human beings we still have you know so much about our lives that we don't agree on Um, but what I have found is that the disagreement is about 10% Mm. and the overlap and the the congruence that we have found is you know way way more than that
2: what a powerful realization even Mm -hmm. at this point given they're presenting Like what you assumed I did. I made
1: massive assumptions. And she presented that as an object self to me Uh of being, you know, I'm using scare quotes here, a good Christian mother. Yeah. But right under that veneer was a real human being that I came to adore very quickly. Mm -hmm. She cusses like crazy. She's (laughs) brass and hilarious and tells crude (laughs) stories and we giggle like little girls together. And... uh, a lot of healing has come out of that. And so I think both she and I came in immediately with the object that we thought needed to be, but then very, very quickly, that veneer disappeared into this place of I am me and you are you, and I just think you're wonderful. And here we are. And she thinks I'm wonderful. Mm -hmm. And we we adore being together and really look forward to it. And when, when we can't see each other, there's true genuine sadness for both of us um and so that that is kind of the backdrop of the the work that we've done together in our emdr sessions she was a client that came in specifically wanting emdr saying you know i've heard that you do this thing i need that thing
2: i was going to ask if did she talk to you about the presenting kind of treatment goals or what she desired. out okay yes okay yeah
1: thing number one what to do about daughter Right, okay. that, that was real high on the list, so we addressed that not with EMDR um, because in my biases I was not going to validate that as a trauma. Now, there's a lot to be said there, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> so that yeah. is my humanness and my own stuff uh, swirling all around that. Um, if if there had been something about that that felt like a true need, I probably would have you know addressed that with her and said, you need to to work with somebody else because I can't hold space for you in the way that you really need. Yeah, can't empathize
2: but with your felt sense of that being that's right. traumatic.
1: That's right. But what, what ended up coming out, once again, that was the the object self veneer of it. And right underneath that was a real deep and sincere grief that yeah. she felt like she'd failed her daughter. Mm-hmm. And here's where the EMDR bit comes in. So with with you know EMDR as a backing, we pretty quickly started to float into why that big reaction. Um, and you know my first question was do you really believe based on a religious principle that you know this is so wrong that you can never imagine your daughter coming back from that spiritually speaking? And that didn't resonate with her. It was the story that made sense of the intensity of her feeling. Mm. But as we tracked it back, what had happened is uh, there was a lot around pregnancy and birth of that daughter that was incredibly traumatic for both of them. So in that space, this client and I found tremendous resonance Yeah. and kaboom, there's the relationship of, oh, I know exactly what it means to overreact to things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because you, you've had this early, early trauma with your child. And so that is where we ended up doing the therapeutic work in regards to her mothering reactions with her daughter. And that was beautiful and profound and um, provided a lot of really pretty quick relief. Because what her body needed to know is that she still knew how to mother her child well that she could still take care of her daughter. And she felt like because of this, she she was just lost. She mm-hmm. had no clue to ha- how to help her her daughter navigate it. So it was some pretty basic assistance around, you don't need to solve this because it's not a problem. Like, is your daughter perceiving it as a problem? No, then, then be her mother yeah. and you don't need to fix this for her if there's not a problem. And there were questions like, well, what do I do? You know, when she has questions about dating. I said what well, answer them from your experience of dating men because it's still relevant yeah. and also ask about her experience So that was a much more cognitive and relational um, Way of interacting and I think more than anything it felt like she needed to number one have it normalized and uh, Demystified and just have a safe place to explore why this was so complex for her so that was kind of our first layer of work together and I think that um, kind of set the the tone of our relationship of me discovering her vulnerability and her discovering my my willingness to challenge with a whole lot of love behind it Um, and and I think that that initial kind of set of goals has informed everything else that we've done
0: since Mm -hmm. you know even that. Yeah, that, that openness from her kind of guarded and shielded by mm-hmm. the objective role of, I'm a good Christian mom. Yeah. And so I follow these values. Oh, the shattering of that, if coming into contact and and how what I my brain keeps going back to is what experiences led to the necessity of that mm-hmm. shield to be in place mm-hmm. and how difficult that can feel and the like, even though my heart may desire to let go of that, right. I have all of these other challenges right. in place that may make it scary for me to let go of that shield that mm-hmm. says I have to believe it's wrong and change her and fix it and protect mm-hmm. her from this. Well, and I, it, it was such a, a
1: somatic reality for her because the the nature of the early trauma was that her body kept her daughter alive. Mm-hmm. Her and, and this was so resonant with my own story um, that it it didn't take me long to sniff out that thread because I've lived it, and I and that was the moment where I realized, oh, maybe you were supposed to work with me. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you were supposed to wait, because it was it was so similar. Like those stories were so parallel to each other, and for her to know that I really understood that is a thread that she calls back to repeatedly.
2: Yeah,
1: of yeah. of her her deep um, appreciation that she doesn't have to explain what it feels like to truly believe in your body that you have to keep your child living from day to day, even though you know that's not rational. But because it was true at one point, yeah. really releasing that from your cells is complicated because it's so biologically ingrained. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the kind of the foundational piece of work that we did that I feel like you know taught both of us so much. Um, and
0: made our, our relationship really rich from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. How long would you say you spent in that just relational place of yeah, setting w- up Yeah, because you noted job?
2: that as not EMDR, like you well, said that explicitly. Yeah, so. no, we,
0: uh, I would say the
1: first four sessions of her coming every other week, so a couple of months, okay. you know, every other week sessions. We started with hour-long sessions. I think we did two of those, and then I immediately said, Probably need two hours, just a thought, because she's a verbal processor. Um, and uh, you know, there was just this feeling of of needing more time and more space together. Um, and she immediately said yes to that. And that's been really beneficial that the the flow has turned into the first half is relational and connection. and her her life has been like beyond chaotic mm. over the last year. Um, several major traumatic events that have paused EMDR as we attend to that current crisis. And um, that same daughter had struggled with an eating disorder in the midst of it. Um, Her spouse had gotten fired from a job, started an affair. So really significant events. And so it's been this pendulation in and out of reprocessing work. Um, but the focus has really been on maintaining that relational connection, and me continuing to give her that safe anchor that no matter what, you can talk and say and yell and cuss and say, do whatever you need to do in this space to to try to give her a thread of normalcy in the midst of it.
0: And I love how that highlights that like preparation is not just these standardized right exercises or scripts mm-hmm. we walk through. That is months worth of preparing her mm-hmm. system and preparing your relationship yes. to be able to go into those more sensitive pieces and mm-hmm. this is a target that i want to address with something as impactful as the mdr we have to prepare the relationship prepare each individual like there was so much preparation it still is probably happening like you said oh, in yeah. and out mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. her where it's not a couple of sessions check the boxes and move into the big trauma yeah
1: yeah, well, and she she had a deep desire to move into past trauma pretty quickly,
0: mm. and especially so, coming for Ian. McGuire. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And she, you know, had uh, she had a couple of really close friends that were therapists, and so she kind of came in with some resourcing in that regard, but also that bit of pressure of I've been told where I need to go, so let's get there as soon as possible. <laughs> Um, and her her trauma history was extensive, mm. um, both you know, mother and father, and then some some relational stuff early in life. Um, and where we ended up going first, as far as EMDR, was a a low impact event with her mother because of the two, mother was less traumatic,
2: mm.
1: and we we picked a theme that was very is very important to her. So it was a low-impact event connected to mom, but still within a theme that she came saying, I really want to work on this. Yeah. So it gave her that sensation of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm doing meaningful. the thing.
2: Yeah. 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 This we're, is a process that I want to maybe take a few loops on because one of the questions I get about preparation, probably more often than not, is how do you know what to choose yeah. for that? And some people are trained very explicitly to stay away from family stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even if you think it's, oh, mom called me the other day and we had an argument about my son's birthday party and that's just like annoying to me. And so we might go through, like approach that. But in that, that could open up to decades of... Yeah, and likely
1: you know,
2: will. Likely yeah. will, exactly. So can you talk about your thought process around getting down to that yeah. memory?
1: It was actually a, a relational process, yeah. um, you know, Anybody that's done consultation with me has heard me say like a million times, ask the client what they want to do. <laughs> yes. make, them make that a collaborative decision. And so with her, I, I gave her the pros and cons of the different approaches that we could take. And when I told her, you know, if we choose a mom target, it could take you to really deep places. We could go some places that maybe we're not ready for. And her, her phrase to me was, Melissa, that is what I am here for. I don't mind it being really hard. And when she said it, my whole body believed her yeah and when i thought about her story i'm like this woman has been through way worse and i have so much confidence and our relationship was so uh intact and strong so quickly that i could feel that the container of us could handle whatever came up the only um, caveat that i gave her was because of the nature of this target we may not get it fully cleared Mm -hmm. because that's true We, you know, in in an initial um, interaction like that, I don't want pressure on either of us to get to that full zero super fast because we don't know what's gonna emerge. So I wanted to kind of release the tension of hustling to the end Mm. and let it be more exploratory and investigative. And we didn't get to a zero, but what did happen was beautiful and very informative to both her and I. Um, and actually kind of shed some light for her on what the more core issue was. And that gave us information on how to plan her treatment plan from there on. And in
2: so doing, accomplishing what the intention of the low-impact event is for, give them a sense of what EMDR is Mm -hmm. and how we can navigate this space together. It also sounds like she came in with quite a bit of resource from those other friends that are therapists Mm -hmm. and had a lot of contextualization of what that process might look like. I've I've had people say to me before I'm ready to go to the deep stuff and they are not. Right. Well, and And I I feel
1: like that's an embodied decision. Yes. Like as a therapist, we sit there and we feel like,
0: well, I don't know about that. I think I wanted to like
2: just like (laughs) white knuckle it (laughs) to the bottom of the barrel and see if you you survive. Yes. 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 Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in that exploring the low impact event that's not associated with anything has no family of origin ties. Compared to one that may end in, in an incomplete session, mm-hmm. so much is it based on the context of the relationship? You yeah. mentioned the container of our relationship could yeah. hold yeah. whatever comes up. A beautiful language in that, mm-hmm. like the container of this dynamic compared to you told me you have six sessions mm-hmm. and you want to do this one target. Yeah. yeah. Let's follow a more systematic approach. Yeah. <laughs> like let's yeah. go through and, and see what we can do with that in this other way that you're talking is like, we're trusting that in this relationship, the goal, this is so odd to say, but the goal is not to clear the disturbance. No, right? Yeah, that's not always the number one objective. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just to get to the zero. And I know that seems antithetical to EMDR and how it's set up, but to go into a target for the sake of like, let's work on it, like experience how much can this relationship Mm-hmm. Offer the safety is necessary for material to come up and for you to experience it with another human who's attuned to you and offer safety. It's not for you to not feel disturbed at the end. Yeah. It's for you to feel connected at the yeah. end.
2: And you not saying alone. it feels strange. That felt strange to me because, like, I feel the way that we understand this process is yes. that it's really not about clearing disturbance. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to rid you of disturbance as an EMDR therapist. I'm here to help you understand how the past is affecting the present Mm -hmm. and organize that in a co-regulated way so that you can go on being the full version of yourself that you long to be Mm -hmm. and in that identify relationships that need attention and ways that you yourself need to maybe shift a bit.
1: Yeah. So caveat to that is I love zero sense, obsessed with them. Yeah. But I think the reason is a little bit different than the way it gets talked about in a lot of uh, training situations. The reason I love a good zero... <laughs>
2: what a way to say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a zero
1: because it is the indication to me that the body has released what it needs to release. Yeah. And that's one re- indication. That's one indication. And you know, within the protocol, we've got multiple ways of checking it. And that is actually the most important thing to me because i know that if the body has released um the the patterning the way that it has been storing and and holding and suppressing and all of those things um, the events of the past that's when real change can occur Mm -hmm. Um, and in this client's case part of the reason why i was super thrilled with ending at a not zero Is because the body was telling us where it needed to go in order to actually release what we found. Yeah. We we started the the memory that we were working with it was around an interaction with her mother in regards to homework. And you know, it was one of those like normal, weird little kid mom moments where it's like mom just whiffed, right? Like it's not a great mom moment. No, okay. But it was a little too common and impacted her in this way that constantly put this question mark over her worthiness and started to sow these little seeds of shame, which later relationships came along and really fueled, Mm -hmm. and particularly relationship with dad. Um, But it was within that processing around the, the little homework memory that all of this information regarding uh, her body and critique around her body and control and self-control and image and food, ooh, okay, and then we started getting into this food stuff and her body lit up yeah. with, with affect and feeling and sensation. Um, and so in the, in the discovery of that, that's kind of where the session end and we you know, collaboratively realized um, that is where the thread is. And when she, um, like very quickly in the processing, that went from that past moment to, and it kind of pinged around to some other memories from when she was young in regards to food. And then it pulled her all the way to the present moment. It, it basically was like a little reverse float back moment where it's like, oh my God, this is my theme. This yes. is the deal. Um, and so it felt really appropriate to, to end right there and just sort of sit in the realization that she had, that profound insight of, oh, now I see. So that target fulfilled the, the goal of setting our treatment trajectory. And that is the same trajectory that we've been on. We, we have two main uh, threads that we follow together. Food and body is one and very related is uh, her home and her possessions, mm. which we have you know since conceptualized together that they are they are enacting and uh, really showing the same thing. They are two manifestations of the same belief system and, and uh, sensation system in her body. Um, and so, but all of that emerged from this one random little memory that we picked that felt like it wasn't going to be that big of a deal.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, clearing the distress on the homework memory, well, you know, that would have been cool, but so much less important than, well, now we have a treatment plan. Yeah. Ta-da.
2: <laughs> yes. Right. And the body wouldn't let that happen, no, no. given the associations that yes. it made.
0: Well, and to have that reframe in an EMDR context, of that's a highly successful session
2: didn't True. get a zero
0: yeah was yes. tremendously successful yeah so satisfied she was thrilled i was thrilled yeah and that the the main goal and objective in that is one we're getting more information we're understanding their response to emdr but we're also creating opportunities for her to feel safe and connected through her processing of these yes. experiences whether or not she reaches this place of now it's all like completely resolved by the end of our 50 minutes right or it's it felt safe to share that and experience that and open up more Mm
1: -hmm. with
0: another human Mm i had safety in relationship yeah that is that is so powerful Mm -hmm. and if those early targets are really like we're leaning into that and we're using those moments to further install and emphasize like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: the i'm going to keep using this phrase now the container of this relationship can like hold and experience so much together. We're laying the bedrock for them to go and process those other bigger, mm-hmm. um, bigger disturbance moments. Yeah.
2: yeah, I feel like in that you're sort of recontextualizing what EMDR really is. It's so often I feel that it's approached with this objective desire that it would mm-hmm. be used to reprocess a memory. Like that's really what we're looking at. Desensitization as a part of that, but ultimately we want this thing cleaned up and yep. behind There's
0: me. It's a laser pointer, we bring we, it in, we, we yeah, do the exactly. work. Exactly, <laughs> and then we get out. But <laughs> yeah, the scalpel
1: that cuts the tumor out.
2: Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's talked about that way in trainings. Um, but I think what we're now understanding is that it's really just about memory, like mm-hmm. and how this person is synthesizing their understanding of themselves and other in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in accessing this early target, you exposed some of the really foundational ways that this little person had learned to orient to the world. Mm You know, mm-hmm. in that memory was one of the, like, boxes of proof that I talk about sometimes. Of <laughs> like, yep, this is why we do it. If anyone ever asks why we are the way we are, yep. this is a part of it, mm-hmm. just so you know. This is
1: why I have to be perfect. Yes. This is why I can never expect that people will be totally satisfied with me. Exactly,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And that goes on then to be used in meeting other people, meeting the part partner that birthed the daughter, mm-hmm. that then, mm-hmm. ad- so all that's baked into. Yeah. That process. Um, So when you're looking at the relationship with daughter, you are also looking at that early memory, and vice versa. Yes,
1: yeah, and and I think that's such a a good articulation of oh, here's why she was so afraid of failing her daughter. (laughs) You know, like suddenly all of this insight is coming, and I, I, I think that one of the nuances that I. I love that we can talk about is that EMDR can do multiple things. It is the tool in the hand of the therapist. We're not being wielded by EMDR. It's supposed to be the other way around. And so when I picked up that tool that day, I said with the client collaboratively, what are we going to use this tool for? Today, we are using it to be a flashlight to go poking around in this particular closet together to see what we're going to find. Yeah. Then based on what we find, we'll come back out and discuss what we want to do with that information mm-hmm. that we just discovered. That is totally different than uh, you know a few sessions later, we said, there is a tumor there. Let's go cut it out. Mm-hmm. Let's be as efficient and direct and slice and dice that thing because it needs to go. It is problematic. That session had a totally different feel. Yeah. That session had a zero said. Mm-hmm. And that session, the very next session, I went back and said, Are we sure it's a zero? Because this one be. really
0: needs
2: to be we a zero. You yeah, back like, up. <laughs> I was and, and so so
1: it, it was about me understanding and talking with the client about what are we using this tool for and collaboratively deciding what the goal of the day was. It's it's all memory work, yeah. it's all nervous system work, yeah. it's all body work, but we have to be nuanced in, in how we're wielding this tool. And I feel like our clients um, help us make those decisions if we understand how to be flexible and adaptable to what needs they're actually showing up with. And where are we in the process? Yeah. You know, healing is multifaceted and complex and responsive, and we need to be responsive and kind. And so I think she's been such a, a lovely roller coaster of very direct and precise, fastidious processing versus sometimes we'll just sort of go into the ether sphere together and yeah. poke around just in the cosmos. know <laughs> what do you feel there? And I love that, right? Mm-hmm. That that fits me very well and hers sometimes. And and that's always a collaborative choice. What do you want to do today? What feels right for where you're at? Yeah. And in
2: that I wanna just name that is resourcing the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. that's not necessarily outside of just because you didn't have BLS going. Like that no, wasn't outside of EMDR, nor is your nor is EMDR outside of what you're doing with this client. Like, well, and both honestly, sides. we use yeah.
1: BLS to go explore the cosmos. Yes, that's right? beautiful. Because she she loves BLS. She now, because of those early experiences, has great affinity for the little buzzers. And yeah. she also can say to me, Melissa, I focus better when you hand me those because it makes me talk less. <laughs> because nice. she loves she loves yes. the talking. And so do I. And so it's one of our ways of kind of regulating together and saying we're, yeah. we're moving into a different kind of work together. And so no matter which direction we're going with it, number one, it's a joint decision of what we're doing with this tool today. Mm-hmm. And number two, um, it, it keeps the, the relationship very central. Like we are always the point.
0: And from there we get to decide where we go and explore that day. Yeah. I love the metaphor of the tool and mm-hmm. to know that even mid-procedure, we may change what tool we're mm-hmm. utilizing, mm-hmm. but we're doing that with an understanding of the larger picture, a broader yeah. conceptualization, because I've heard the, the same thing of, what are we gonna do today? That can turn into, we're doing a little of this and a little mm-hmm. of this, and so we're just like throwing things and seeing what sticks, yeah. and that can, we can see progress and change happen, but that can draw it out much longer, too. That's right. But yes. that, bigger image of what do we want to do today and we have an understanding of how each piece fits into the bigger puzzle and can
2: contextualize that to the relationship like it is that collaborative choice (laughs) yes
0: so i'm
1: going to show you guys something just because it illustrates that really well Mm. and it's funny um i have my you know session notes right here as i'm referencing and on this particular page on the top of the page it says for all the listeners at home emdr exclamation point next time for sure exclamation point here's what we're gonna target exclamation point because this was one of those particular sessions where we just had a blast Mm. (laughs) and we were together and humans and you know we we shared stories and giggles and it was lovely and wonderful and at the end of it both of us said we didn't do the
0: thing that we meant to do so hold on though this is so good it was a whole other loop Uh but how would you then Because we have those sessions and Mm -hmm. I hear so many consultees say like, oh, we didn't do EMDR. Or sometimes I'll say we we didn't do anything. We didn't didn't do anything today. And like I got wrapped up into that again. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, this is so good. Um, (laughs) How would you then make meaning of how that is actually fits into the structure of EMDR or is fitting into the therapeutic process with intentionality? As essential. Yeah. (laughs) Critical. So I I remember that session really clearly,
1: and what was happening was I was you know for lack of a more clinical phrase, was just trying to like heap as much love on her as I possibly could you know bring out of my body, um, because her her greatest wounding and struggle is around the need to perform for somebody else, mm-hmm. and so in that particular session the whole point of it was we're not going to perform. It was an intentional decision, collaborative. I see that machine over here. I've got it right here. I'm not getting it because we're being together today. And she she would go through this little cycle of, okay, let me tell you one more thing, and then we'll do the thing, right? And about the seventh time of, okay, "Okay, let me tell you one more thing. I finally said to her, today, maybe what needs to happen is that you just have a safe place to tell all the things to, to somebody that's going to tell you I wanna hear all the things, yes. yeah. tell me all your things. And to to be present with you in that and excited with you because it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, she was telling me good things, things that she was excited about, progress that she'd made on things, something funny that she what saw. What a resource. Yeah, and so it, it was just kind of this uh, download of processing around um, being cared about and having somebody be genuinely interested in the minutiae of your life. And she, you know, struggles with friendship. She's a, a generally kind of lonely individual, um, especially in female relationship. And so her body was hungry for that kind of, you know, friend or sister or mother daughter, whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. female connection. Um, and you could tell, like, her body was, you know, soaking it in like a sponge. And so to cut that off felt like the most disingenuous mm-hmm. thing to to her heart and to mine, um, and yeah, so that was a, a talked about thing. And I finally said like that machine is there, but I think it's for next week. That's not what we're doing this week. Yeah. This week, I want you to keep telling me about your dog because yeah. that's just lighting me up too. <laughs> so yes. that's where we went.
0: That's creating these internalized resources Mm -hmm. of what it feels like to be safe in connection what it feels like to have someone interested and desiring to feel with her in her excitement and her joy and the good in her life yeah what it feels like to be honored as a person and have Mm -hmm. worth and value for just showing up as her not because she's doing what you think she needs to be doing. Right, and what's fascinating is that
1: the next session, when we did do, you know, phase four EMDR, buzzers and hands, etc., that experience that we'd had and that, you know, we'd had more than one encounter like that became a, um, a resource where I was able to say with so much authenticity, I care about you. Mm-hmm. And her body knew that I did. Yeah. It had been enacted and lived and felt very recently and so when I told her, I don't think that you have anything to be ashamed about. I happen no. to think you're wonderful. It came, and you know, from such an authentic place in me of really feeling that, and was received by her body in a very authentic way. Um, and so the, those in between sessions where we're not doing you know phase four direct targeting is installing a relational resource that is irreplaceable. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I would say. You know, I don't have any clients where that doesn't happen. Yep.
2: Yeah. I consider okay. it
1: the most valuable resource that we have at our disposal constantly. Yeah, to
2: me it contextualizes that procedural work in that moment into a larger relational mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. gives it way more meaning in my perspective than mm-hmm. somebody who, than, than just a procedure after procedure after procedure. Yeah, um, I don't know, it just, to me, Helps in the transition out. Like I just have all of these reasons why. <laughs> like yeah. to me, it just feels essential to do that work yeah. inside yeah. of that context.
0: Yeah. What can boost that? Then even to the next level is to sit down together and say, "What meaning are we making of like that session last week?" Yeah. Like, what if we then connect over per language like, to that? Yes and it's safe to like say it to each other and to be explicit about it and make meaning of that. Cause she felt in those moments, I feel loved, I feel cared about mm-hmm. I feel like Melissa truly like cares about me, mm-hmm. but then there's probably all these, you know, contradictory stories, her box of proof that says the opposite and to right. say, what meaning can we make of these moments and, and then pull out your bilateral and install that if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> I mean, yeah.
2: this is still on a, all these things are very beautiful. My body is kind of curious about, some of those early moments where maybe the projections were still pretty active mm-hmm. across the therapeutic dynamic like mm-hmm. where it wasn't necessarily oh just tell me about this because i love hearing it and i love that you are getting to share it but what about when you thought that she was the evangelical person yeah how was th- how were those
1: i moments? i think i think the authenticity was still the common thread because what happened in those moments is that i showed up not as a pretty blank reflective therapist, but a very personally engaged—maybe for the wrong reasons—that <laughs> could be real. A bit
2: pre- offended. Yeah, 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 like they're,
1: they're yeah pre- offended. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's good, good. Uh, <laughs> and accurate. I am offended I, I'm, <laughs> just by you being <laughs> <that's right. laughs> pre- offended by all the stories that I've told myself about you. That's um, right. Uh, and you're like, accurate Kind at of
2: snickering like <laughs> as you're, you're sitting bad. with them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but I I think what she felt was my genuine pleasant surprise and the really authentic lean in Mm -hmm. of wait a second you're open to this yeah because that's not that's not what i was expecting i have to
2: erase my notes yeah it's like wait (laughs) a second
1: all all of these defenses that i had up you know like i had my tattoos covered and because i you know all of the weird objective things that i still do um i realized like oh no, no no That's not that's not desired here. Like she actually is mm-hmm. open to real connection and in the, you know, kind of lovely surprise that that was um, I think she felt that really genuine relational lean-in and interest of well now you got me curious yeah. And me turning my full relational curiosity on somebody makes an impact as it does for most of us to, to feel someone genuinely curious and interested in oh who are you you're yeah. who I thought you were um, that that tone got set very early yeah. and it was you know a really natural foundation That's to build novelty on.
2: spontaneity yes. all those things that are just so yeah. good for the relationship mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I have one one more question okay um, we talk about in pretty much everything we do but especially in our case conceptualization trainings that part of the nature of a thorough case conceptualization strategy is making sense of what they're bringing to you while also kind of integrating that into the present but then looking forward Mm -hmm. into what you're kind of going for yeah we don't hold that rigidly or you know with a tight grip we're just like yeah i think this is kind of where we're going here's some of the things i'm looking for in the phases of trauma treatment you know with our symptoms our traumatic Mm -hmm. memories integration of self all of these things but where do you see this going? Hmm. What are you? What well, are you so that's a on?
1: weirdly personal question okay. because it it re- requires me to reveal how I treatment plan, which is not normal. <laughs> um, which is why I think it's essential yeah. that we talk about this. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm, what is normal? Like, you know, okay, so everybody know, knows my obsession with the body, not not needing more explanation. Um, but one of the ways that that translates is that when I have a client that I'm working with what I do in order to have a treatment plan is I imagine their experience in their skin um, differently than it is today. Mm-hmm. And you know based on the conversations that we have and the way that my body experiences theirs, you know what is the what is the image that I have in my mind of how their body will be move, be felt, experienced, et cetera? Uh, when we're finished and this client is a good example of that because there's two things that I hold in mind number one um, That she'll no longer walk with a limp mm. and uh, She'll be that makes me really emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that she'll walk pain-free.
2: Yeah
1: the other one Because there is so much like relational tension in her world that she will hold her relationships with open hands rather than closed fists so Like that's my treatment plan for I don't really need much else like can you walk without a limb? Can you walk pain-free and can you hold people in you know soft hugs rather than tight squeezes? and uh, you know controlled squeezes and That you know infiltrates everything we do This is a client that I choose to hug and -hmm. that's part of why it's to me the most important part of her treatment plan is that we hug with true affect but without um, desperation and holding and clenching. Um, And so my touch to her is frequent, but very soft. And that is something that we've talked about very openly and is really, really meaningful to her and is um, repatterning her body uh, significantly. so I mean, I could go through my whole client list and tell you the images yep. that I have in my head, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just the way. That's you know, it's very easy for me to hold that. If I have to hold like a list of objectives mm-hmm. in my left brain, I got nothing. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Um, but I can hold images and the felt sense in my body of what I desire for her body and yeah. the the collaborative discovery that we've come to about what that would feel like for her.
2: That to me is a very. It's. Beautifully subjective and in that language. I have no value of what's more valuable of subjective Mm -hmm. or objective but in that you're just owning what I feel is that you're owning your kind of values Mm -hmm. that those two things would be very important for this person Mm -hmm. Which in that way is you know, that's not that in itself is a non-traditional quote-unquote treatment plan Mm -hmm because you're not saying, I want to see symptom reductions as evidenced by this. <laughs> like, you know, these very obtuse sort of... Yeah, okay. I don't
1: think an insurance panel would really go for my... No, and we can translate it if Wait, you I, want. That's big, oh, I, I could. could. I could yeah. put that in left brain language yeah. Very easily. Yeah, we can
2: translate yeah. it. But in that, when we talk about case conceptualization and we talk about our treatment goals and things like that, these are the things that we're... We're looking for Mm -hmm. because I my treatment plans are very similar um, image based Mm -hmm. (laughs) more so than than language based but it's about That being also a collaborative Mm -hmm. Decision because it is a Mm value-based treatment plan Mm -hmm. I think that these would evidence you becoming the authentic version of yourself Mm -hmm. that is You know free of fear free of shame free of guilt. Yes, and in that way owning your goodness your wholeness um, that's why I wanted to ask that question.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you're saying that, I think there's oftentimes as you're starting with clients, there's the treatment plan of the objective outcome that they will speak to mm-hmm. and they will acknowledge. I want to be able, I'm coming to therapy because oh. of da da da, da, da. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to work on these things, change these things. And then there's my subjective desire that yeah. I hold. And mm-hmm. as we come there's into both. that, yes. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I have this client right now that my only goal for her ever (laughs) would be that she could feel safe enough to feel her feelings in front of me. Mm. Not like underneath the surface, I feel like I wanna cry and I'm gonna dissociate Mm -hmm. till it's gone, but just Mm. to feel it. And that she could experience human relationship as holding the potential to have safety enough to, to be hurt in front of or in that and she has all these other things that we were are working on. But that's the one I'm holding. Yeah. And she does not in alignment with that goal at all. Like if I say that no, that's, that's not what I
2: want. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why would that's you want opposite. me to view absolutely not I want to keep okay. from
2: ever having a car. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: And I'll tell you I'll just keep holding that that's one fine. and she knows we're, we're yeah. kind of that This is gonna be
2: a tough relationship way. for you. But
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. like. so
1: she keeps coming back. That's right.
2: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I would say for this client she would have come in stating that first one about walking pain free as a known goal and then our process of discovery kind of revealed that second goal of yeah. could you could you hold your relationships more tenderly yeah. and gently perhaps so that's that you a part can, of it yeah <laughs> Like, could you be less tense cuz maybe that would help with the pain um, but that was a emerging goal that you know was could have co-discovered um, yeah. together and particularly in exploring things with her daughter and all of that mm-hmm. um and so i think there will probably be more and i think you know if somebody gets to the point where yeah another they're walking without a limp they're running pain-free and they're holding their relationships more loosely after that there may, may be a goal of you want to climb a mountain yeah you know let, let's go let's figure out what the next step is and so those you know embodied metaphorical goals um is just, yeah, it keeps it keeps our creativity alive so yeah. much more yeah. than objective left brain goals. Yeah. <laughs>
2: this fly on the wall segment is really going to turn into maybe one of my favorite things.
1: Uh-huh. It's fun. I
2: thought it was going to be, which is strange, I'm not sure why I thought this, but I thought it was just going to be a bit uh, objective. Like, here's a case, this is what's happening.
1: I just don't feel objective about this person at all. None so. of us are. <laughs> I'm
2: nothing, that's why answer. I was saying, like, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> But I just have this, like, oh, here we go. Like, Uh, we're just going to talk about which I think is important. I don't want to, like, I don't want to discourage. But it just in even hearing you light up about your case, Mm -hmm, that you're mm -hmm. just like, my only goal for her ever (laughs) is that she would show emotion in front of me and be able to just know that I accept her. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I do this work.
0: Okay, so I, I
1: think I'd like to define explicitly something that maybe is obvious but so maybe it's just for me but in case anybody else finds it useful i think what is particularly different about the way that we think and talk about these things from you know more traditional methods is our goals are in the room that mm-hmm. we're, we're not talking about goals for what they do out there it's very like right here, right now with me because that is the only thing that we have access to in the moment and change and healing only occurs in this present moment. We can't you know, think about healing um, in the present moment and expect it to do something
0: yeah.
1: um, out there. It has to happen right here, right now and here. And that's one of the beautiful things about EMDR is yeah. that it doesn't like we're doing it right now. You know, we're accessing, activating, the material that's held in your body so that it's happening right now. And that's why we can do something with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that for me, that's taught me the importance of all goals must be in the room. They, they can't go outside of here. Um, and that's actually all we need, which is lovely because it's all we have access to anyway.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so often, Clients don't come in mm-hmm. with the conscious awareness that that's even a structure yeah. for your your client to come in saying, I'd like to be able to hold my relationships with open hands <laughs> or loosely and openly rather so than control them. Yeah. Now, she's aware of the pain in her body, right. like this hurts yeah. and I don't like how these things are going. Yeah. She's Everything outside of the room. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Outlining all these fears or all these like...
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need to be used mm-hmm. to come into relationship with you. So many people come to therapy saying, I'm going to come here so you can fi- help me fix what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. Where our approach is, it starts right here. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we may get to things we see the effects of it changing out there, and they're taking that experience and applying it with other relationships. But it is, it's starting right here. Mm-hmm. That
2: is the whole. Hope of therapy that if it's possible here, mm-hmm. it can be. It can be possible maybe elsewhere. possible out there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That feels like a good ending place, especially oh, yes. with the background. <laughs> yeah, <it's> the <laughs> so people, people in know. the neighborhood sharing their uh, engine enthusiasm. is gonna yeah, say yes.
2: <laughs> the alliteration is easy there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so we'll come back to this case. Yes. We'll get to because okay. I feel like I'm I'm growing a I feel a budding attachment and care for her already. Yes, so No, <laughs> yeah. How are things? How are they?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, ooh, and we're 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 doing some exciting things. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So, uh, what do you mean by that? So she's taking some risks. And oh. uh, we're, we've started some groups here at Beyond Healing. Okay. Um, oh, and we're... Uh, Bridge Yeah. So I've started a group particularly on mind and body, which has a central focus on relationship with food, which is very much, you know, in the wheelhouse of things that she and I explore. Um, and we had our first session yesterday and she came. Ugh. So okay. yeah, there, there's a lot going on there. That's and right. uh, yeah, so it's uh, really, really precious to see what happens between just the two of us translate. Oh, it was just like so seamless. It's like here we are now in a group of people and our connection. And you want to know what a head trip is? Here's a head trip try running a group where everybody there is your client.
2: Yeah. Whoa
1: be tough <laughs> I can't imagine it was fascinating to me but as I'm sitting there like looking at all of these humans because you know we're, there was several people there and way over half of them are my people and they don't know that about each other and all I felt was well I just love all of you we're mm-hmm. fine this is gonna be great mm-hmm. I trust all of you yeah. and and they were just perfectly themselves and you know, one of them owned. She's like, the only reason I feel safe is because I feel safe with you. I don't know anybody else here, but I feel safe with you. And everybody else started nodding along <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, that's a little bit of pressure, but I, I can, can hold that. <laughs> I can hold that. This goes well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, so that'll kind of factor into this case as well. It'll be kind of ever evolving and uh, yeah. unfolding. So. Either
0: all your clients will be so pleased with you yeah. next week or they'll all and be pissed
1: off. Why did you make me do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but as, <laughs> far as, week
0: or about yeah, as,
1: as far as I could tell, it went great. Nice.
0: So <laughs> we'll see. It <Of> <laughs> anyway. So we'll circle back mm-hmm. in a few weeks. It won't, mm-hmm. maybe not be the very next session, but right. I'll share on a case. I don't know, for if you will share Yeah, we'll one. see. I don't know. We haven't identified mm-hmm. one. Really? Now, yeah. that, now that you're excited about yeah. it, you might yeah. change your mind. You be like,
2: hey, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I do. So
0: we'll keep revisiting. I think we haven't talked about this, but I, I'm open to anyone has, um, yeah, examples or um, maybe not questions specifically about the case, but about the kind of topics that came out of mm-hmm. the case. Yeah, the way we're talking it. about
2: this Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: Because this is very like zoomed in. You know, so much of our conversations are high level and conceptual. And I I do take it very seriously that as an EMDR trainer and consultant, I speak from, you know, the book. Mm -hmm. And here's here's how we're taught to do it. But and when I actually get in the room with a real life human being, things a get a little different. different. <laughs> um, and so I think some of that will start to show up very explicitly of, you know, this is Melissa bending, breaking, um, braiding the rules, really. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. <All> right. <laughs> do I oh, no, no. <laughs>
1: that's how it feels sometimes like it's, it's still kind of like it I just made it better thats uh,
2: that's a, f- a fidelity braid there, right there.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna claim that and that's, I wonder if my PhD program will go for that some fidelity it's a new deal <laughs> we gotta go <laughs> thank you guys
2: right. for
0: listening yes before so well. we get
2: into more trouble no. no.
0: again <laughs> We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review and follow us on social media by searching notice that podcast.
2: This podcast is a project of beyond healing media a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear.
1: The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based, and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT Podcast.